Yes, and I was just like you until 2016. Uh, I thought child marriage was illegal in the U.S., and I get an email from a friend, and it was an uh, article written by Nicholas Kristof for the New York Times, Mm -hmm. and it talked about child marriage in the U.S., and that opened my eyes. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives, especially as we age. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who is a previous guest on Zestful Aging, and her CD Buffalo Motel is out. You can find out more about her on her website judybanker.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Today's episode uh, covers a pretty tough and uh, painful subject, but it's really important, so I wanted to share it with you. Rima Rashashibi has influenced the Saudi Arabia's historic elections by training women how to run for office. Listen for her passion for protecting the rights of women and girls. That's a theme that runs through the entire interview and is very contagious. Well, I've got a very sleepy uh, Jack Russell Sparky right by my side after our walk. So let's begin. We have a really great interview for you today. We're gonna be speaking with Rima Nashashibi, who is the president of Global Hope 365, which is a nonprofit agency promoting openness, equal opportunity, tolerance, fairness, and justice for persons of all genders, ethnicity, religious backgrounds, and political persuasions. Ms. Nashashibi has been a guest speaker hosted by the U.S. Department of State in places such as Jerusalem, Qatar, Bahrain, and Kuwait. And in addition, she has trained women in Saudi Arabia in August 2015 on how to run for office in anticipation of the historic election held in December 2015, where women participated for the very first time in the history of the kingdom. Welcome to the program, Rima. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you. Let's start with um, a a question about some of the specific issues that Global Hope 360 is focusing on right now. And are there any particular ones that are closest to your heart? Well, it's the Global Hope 365. And our uh, focus is ending harmful practices against women and girls, and such as child marriage and human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And we do that through raising awareness, education, and empowerment. 
Mm-hmm. So will you take me through a day, uh, uh, just a, a day for you working on some of these issues as part of your agency? Sure. Um, I started Global Hope, if I may uh, start there. I started mm-hmm. Global Hope 365 uh, when I found out that child marriage uh, was still legal in the United States. It was legal in 48 states until last Friday. I'm mm-hmm. so excited to tell you that Pennsylvania, the governor just signed that no child marriage under 18, no exception law last Friday. Mm-hmm. So it became the third state in the country to abolish child marriage. Mm-hmm. In Minnesota, Last Wednesday, they just passed, the Senate just passed the no child marriage under 18 law, no exception. And it's now at the governor's desk. It passed the House last year. They were hoping to be the third states, but I guess Pennsylvania beat them to it. Ah. And (laughs) And unfortunately, California, we still do not have child marriage is legal and Mm -hmm. There is no minimum age also in California when it comes to child marriage. All what you need is parental consent and uh, judge's approval. It's pretty shocking. And I think we've spoken before, and I think most people, and I certainly didn't realize that I think uh, many of us would assume that this is illegal in the United States, but we would be wrong. Yes, and I was just like you until 2016. Uh, I thought child marriage was illegal in the U.S., and I get an email from a friend, and it was an uh, article written by Nicholas Kristof for the New York Times, Mm -hmm. and it talked about child marriage in the U.S., and that opened my eyes. And when UNICEF indicates child marriage is human rights abuse, uh, the State Department issued a report in 2016, that it's uh, child marriage is human rights abuse in other countries. I say, what about our country? What about our kids? And mm-hmm. you know, one of the United Nations SDGs is to abolish child, by 2030, abolish child marriage. So other countries have when we still have 47 states to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping as the word leader that we can uh, zoom through that process yeah. and uh-huh. hopefully... Before 2030, we'll have all states abolishing, uh, abolishing uh, child marriage. So this issue came on your radar when your friend sent you a New York Times article. Yes, in 2016. All uh-huh. this time, I've been oblivious to the fact that child marriage was legal here. Um, also, what we're trying to do with human trafficking As you know, human trafficking is the third largest and fastest growing crime industry. It's a $150 billion industry, Mm -hmm. and it's everywhere. Human trafficking is everywhere. But, you know, I used to do 10 to 12 speaking engagements a month here in the U.S., but that's before COVID-19. And everywhere I went, uh, first people thought that child marriage was illegal in the U.S. That's right, yeah. As far as human trafficking, people think it's happening overseas or it's foreign women that are brought into the U.S. What they don't realize is that 90 to 96% of sex trafficking victims are U.S. citizens. 
So that's where raising awareness comes in, that it's happening to everyone. It's happening to minors and adults. It happenings to all races, ethnicities, religions, because traffickers, they don't discriminate all what they care. They're motivated by greed and all what they care about is money. And so that's why we're about uh, ending child marriage and preventing human trafficking. Because as you know, human trafficking is about supply and demand. So if you can reduce the demand, then organically the supply will be reduced. What we're asking, you asked about what do we do in the day of Global Hope 365. What we're doing is, again, raising awareness and educating and, and requesting and advocating for increasing the penalty on the buyer of sex with a victim of human trafficking. Right now, it's a slap on the wrist misdemeanor. What we would like to do is make sure that it's raised to a felony. Because uh-huh. then it affects their employment. It affects their everyday life. If you have a felony on your record. That's right. Now, Lem, I'm sorry for being so uh, ignorant here. Uh, but who are, is, is there a profile of someone who is a trafficker? There, what do we there look is, for? There is no profile. Okay. It, it, it could be your closest friend. Uh, it could be a family member. And I'll give you some examples. And it could be somebody who befriended you on chat rooms, on game rooms. Uh, it could be a friend uh, that you have in middle school or high school. Let me give you some examples. Uh-huh. It also could be a physician. Uh, we just had uh, an article about a physician in Northern California who was trafficking women and children. And so uh, everybody is motivated by greed, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because why? To them, women and children are a commodity. They're not a human being. They're just a source of income. And so we have to go back to the root cause of the problem, which is gender inequality mm-hmm. and the need to teach about a, a respectful relationship. What is a healthy relationship between men and women, between kids and adults. So it, it comes down to that. And is it always about sexual exploitation? Is that, is that I'm the... Glad, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. No, there's labor, labor trafficking, and then there's sex trafficking. So let's talk about the statistics. There's around 40 million victims of uh, modern-day slavery in the world. 25 of them are in in, uh, trafficking and 15 are in forced marriage. And so trafficking is both labor and sex trafficking. And so... And so what happens uh, is, again, it's all motivated, as far as trafficking, it's all motivated by greed. Because there's money to be made. Of course. And who are the people who are, is there a profile for people who are buying, who are on the other end and paying for women and children? 
th there is no profile. We, we heard about uh, the, the high profiles who were uncovered in the media. We heard about yes. the owner of a sports team who was caught in Florida and others. Uh, but there isn't. I'll give you an example. In Anaheim, where I live in California, one of the cities in Anaheim where we have Disneyland, uh, Anaheim PD did a sting operation, and they called it the John Sting. And apologies for anyone who's listening and whose name is John. <laughs> they, one of the men that they arrested was someone that just dropped her, his wife to get her nails done and thought that he will spend the time waiting while buying sex, it turned out she's an undercover cop. And so, and then uh, you have the, it's, it's everyone. There is no, you have the pedophiles, you have somebody just like the one that I mentioned, it's everyone. And so there is, again, there is no stereotypical profile of someone who is, there are people who are interested in watching pornography about having sex with children. There's people who are interested in having sex with children. These are people who have depraved hearts and, and they have no respect for children nor for a human being mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. a human being. To them, again, it's all a commodity. So what we need to do is increase the trafficker uh, in California, for example, uh, it's, a, it's a felony. We need to increase it to a violent felony because then they go to uh, prison uh, for a longer term. I see. Usually with a felony, they're charged with 10, they go out in five, they go back to doing the same thing. I see. And I'm imagining that the children and the women who get caught in this, are they vulnerable in some way? Uh, some are and some, uh, some aren't. Because the ones that are vulnerable is the one that had abuse in their history. Yeah, okay, they're, uh, they're trauma survivors. Yeah, yeah. So these are more vulnerable. Uh, foster kids, mm -hmm. uh, throwaway kids, homeless kids, mm -hmm. or homeless people. And so these are, but then when you have the examples of students in middle school, when one example, a friend came to uh, someone she knows in the school and she said, my dad and I will take you home. And six months later, they found that child because she disappeared. It turned out that dad, quote unquote, wasn't her dad. And thank God the father had the financial means to hire a child, uh, um, private investigator. He was able to find his child after six months. She's been raped and then put into sex trafficking. Another example is someone who was getting a higher education in Georgia. The parents are in Los Angeles. One is a physician. The other one is an attorney. She was approached with the classic ask, so to speak, you're so beautiful, we're going to make you a model. In the interview, she gets raped, and then she's put into sex trafficking. And then what they do is they take videos of them. So when they want to leave, and, and they want to leave right away, they said, look at these videos, uh, we're going to show them to your parents. 
So there's extortion. Yes, yes. And also, when that doesn't work, then they threaten the family. You know, your brother at home or your parents were going to kill them. And so this young lady, when she wanted to leave, they showed her the videos. And then uh, she still wanted to leave. And they said, we're going to kill your family. She left everything intact in Georgia, hopped on a plane and called her parents on the way here. And she said, don't ask me questions. I'll tell you when I get home. Uh, but please be very, very careful. And now she's doing human trafficking uh, awareness okay. uh, program and training to law enforcement and judges. Uh, I was told this example when I was a keynote speaker at the Insurance Professionals, International Association of Insurance Professionals. One of the attendees came and told me that her niece is trafficked, and, and that's the story of the niece. So again, uh, traffickers do not discriminate, but the easier targets are the foster kids or the kids that are walking alone home from school. Some traffickers wait in cars outside the schools and they look for the, the minor who's walking by herself home, which means she's not part of a group, so lower self-esteem mm. or there's no someone to walk with or and then they approach them, they befriend them. They call it the grooming period. They get them, they get their hair done, uh, their nails done. They oh walk them iWatches, iPhones. And then the asks come in after the grooming period is done. You know, I can't make rent. Would you help me make the rent? I need you to sleep with people. Or uh, as another example, a 13-year-old was trafficked right out of her home. You can't imagine um, how many millions of kids on the internet get unsolicited pornographic material or unsolicited chats. And 60% of them respond to these chats. Mm. This 13-year-old was convinced to take pictures of herself mm -hmm. and then send them to that person. Mm -hmm. And then that was used as, as you said, blackmail. Mm -hmm. I'll show it to your parents unless you meet this person and you have sex with these men. So Global Hope 365, it's about preventing future victims, preventing victims from happening mm -hmm. either of child marriage or human trafficking. Because that experience does not leave you. That trauma mm -hmm. does not leave you. It continues with you for the rest of your life. So we're about preventing uh, victims from uh, our kids and adults from going through that trauma. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. 
Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been a adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out copenotes.com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Now back to the show. So before you founded Global Hold 365, you had a very different kind of life yourself. Maybe we would call it more conventional. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Yes, yes. Actually, I had two lives. I had my corporate life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I worked for uh, the largest insurance company in the world. Mm-hmm. I had a division for them. And then uh, I also had my political activism life. Uh, I was the vice chair of the Democratic Party in Orange County, California Mm -hmm. for 10 years, president of the National Women Political Caucus, which is nonpartisan, and it's about identifying women to run and have them elected in the U.S. Because, again, we say we're the world's leader, but before the previous election... Uh, we had 19% in the House and 20% in the Senate, uh-huh. so women elected in those positions. And, you know, the global average is 24.2 oh. or 0.4. So we're definitely not the world leader when it comes to the number of women in Parliament. We were number 98 behind Afghanistan. So you can... Imagine the work that we still need to do about gender equity and equality. And uh, I wonder if you heard of the Girl Opportunity Index. No, uh, tell me about it. It's measured by the United Nations. Um, It measures five things in countries. And these five things are adolescent fertility, child marriage, maternal mortality, the number of the students that graduated what they call lower secondary, which is middle school, and then um, the number of women in parliament. We are number 32 behind Kazakhstan and Algeria. So again, when we say we're the word leader, we need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And it definitely needs to start home, with home, before we point fingers at other countries. That's a great point. And I was so excited to to talk to you about your trip to Saudi Arabia, what that was like for you. It was uh, very educational. Um, I met very powerful, you know, People have their own misconceptions about women in every country and possibly women in Saudi Arabia. But I met a very strong, very powerful women, highly educated. Uh, I trained women in three cities, 
and then the election it was a three-day training and then the election happened in december of 2016 and 21 women were elected and then the rest were appointed um, then i went back there in march of 2016 we analyzed the elections what worked what didn't work what needs improvement and trained them on how to be successful municipal council members until today they share with me their successes and sometimes their challenges and then i share that with the rest of the group we also hosted a group through uh, of saudi women through ibcla the international visitors council of los angeles um, i now i sit on the board of that organization and um, close to 95, 96% of their visitors are sent by the State Department on various um, uh, projects, various goals. And so we hosted two groups of Saudi women here, and I hosted a reception for them, and I had them meet our citizens from Orange County. Uh, and both were blown away by each other. And I received a very interesting response when I asked about the, the two groups of their opinion. I received a mirror image response from an American woman and a Saudi woman. And it was, we found out we had so much in common uh. as women. It, it was very um, fulfilling for me uh, I, to yeah, think I'm, that yes. citizen diplomacy at best. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. just trying to imagine what it must have been like for you to go do training and then see the fruits of your labor in, in on the international stage that you are changing. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's too much to say you're really changing the course of history here. Um, I'm thankful for for the opportunity and, and thankful for the women uh, that I met. And it, it was an eye-opening uh, experience for me. Uh, the Saudi women are definitely very strong, highly educated women. Mm -hmm. uh, we had PhDs, masters, BA, and one woman who was a high school graduate owned three businesses, and one of them was a defense uh, uh, company. So very highly educated. Mm -hmm. And how did they receive you um, as an American? Was there, like, how, how did that feel? Was, were there kind of any awkwardness or? Uh... No, there wasn't because I speak the language. I speak Arabic. So uh -huh. that wasn't, yes. So the, there wasn't that. It, it was... Uh, instant sisterhood uh -huh. <laughs> how beautiful how yeah. beautiful so i guess the you know as a psychotherapist i i uh, wonder about uh day in and day out working with these issues which are uh, you use the word depraved and i think that's such a good word you are yeah. really in the trenches here you're you're knowing details you're uh learning about things you're aware of them you really are kind of uh saturated with these facts and they are very gruesome and grisly and i wonder how you prevent yourself from getting traumatized 
uh, yourself? Um, I set myself achievable goals. And I, uh, the phrase tunnel vision, I set the goal in front of me. And I try not to uh, listen. Uh, I read the stories, but I, I try not to let it sit with me. I meditate, I exercise, uh, I talk to my board, I talk to people in the same industry, and I have it easy, co easier compared to the institutions and the agencies who are helping the victims to pick up their life. Mm -hmm. That is very traumatizing. I had, uh, I worked with the Salvation Army to help two victims. And it's hard when you hear their stories, the heart-wrenching stories. One of them, uh, for example, I was a speaker at the Newport Beach Union Democratic Club one day, and another speaker was a victim of uh, human trafficking. She was trafficked by her uncle. They, she and her mom moved from Hawaii to stay with the uncle, and the mom said the uncle is the only one between us and being on the streets. He's the protector, so on and so forth. And then the uncle molests her. And then he basically uh, trafficked her. And she said, while all the students were going home to have dinner and study, I had to hit the streets and bring a certain amount of money every night. And when she was asked by the, some of the attendees, why didn't she tell her mother? And she said, when the mother was all the time saying, he's the only thing between us and living on the streets, he's the protector. And then she said, there's a lot of shame. And that's what the traffickers and the abusers use, is that the victims feel ashamed. They feel a lot of shame about what's happening. They feel guilty. And so, as you know, in your profession, it's not very easy to tell someone, and sometimes not the parents, that this is what's going on yep. with their lives. And she said it wasn't until her senior year that a, a, a counselor said, what are these bruises on your arms? And so... Everybody has their story, but as I mentioned, I'm tunnel vision. I uh, want to uh, uh, end child marriage, starting with California, and I want to prevent human trafficking by raising awareness. What we're also doing is trying to introduce human trafficking awareness programs in all the schools, their human trafficking prevention programs. There is, uh, I'm working closely with an organization, another nonprofit called the Three Strands Global Foundation. Uh -huh. They have put, um, let, let me backtrack. In San Diego, it's one of the top 13 counties in the nation as far as trafficking, especially trafficking in children. They have a phenomenal, a phenomenal district attorney called Summer Stefan. She realized that they developed a human trafficking prevention program. 
she got a $2 million grant from the UBS Foundation, and they rolled that program in all public schools in San Diego County. Now, this organization, the Three Strands, has introduced programs in 48 out of the 58 counties in California. Orange County and LA are not one of those 48 counties that have these programs. Okay. So I'm trying to introduce those programs there because I see they go through what is human trafficking, which is fraud, force, and coercion. The fact that the victims do not keep any of the money, that traffickers keep, keep the money, the victims do not make any money. That the minors or the victims of human trafficking have 12, 14, 20 men go through them a day. And the trauma that that uh, creates in a person and the red flags both for the minors and future victims to look at, be aware of these red flags. And they give red flags for teachers and parents. We talked about some of them. Uh, do they have two cell phones? Uh, do they have new designer items, eye watches, iPhones, or designer items that they're wearing? Uh -huh. do, they, do you see them with drone and tire, just like the victim I mentioned? Aha! Uh -huh. Because instead of going home to have dinner and study, she has to hit the streets until she raises the quota, the daily quota. And then she goes back home. Uh, she goes back home and then have to go to school again. Uh, are they not keeping eye contact with you? Are they not um, uh, doing the activities that they used to love to do? Uh, do you feel that there's a controlling adult somewhere in the peripheries? And so are they familiar with the human trafficking slang? Uh, do they have... Uh, inappropriate um, on social media, in inappropriate pictures or presence, because uh, some of the traffickers approach uh, people on social media if they have a party lifestyle, or if you have a minor who's saying, my parents who do not feel loved, and they vocalize it, and they say, my parents love my sibling more than oh. they me. One such instant, a victim was out of Westminster here in Orange County, California. And so the social media has grown human trafficking and their victims exponentially. I see. So please be careful in game rooms, somebody trying to befriend you. And listen to your inner voice. If an offer feels too good to be true, mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. If somebody's trying to control your movements, who you see, if they tell you you need to keep a relationship a secret. So mm -hmm. please be aware mm -hmm. and do not talk to or respond to people that you don't know if they send you inappropriate pictures or videos or ask for inappropriate things. And our children are smart enough if you explain to them as a parent or as a guardian, the dangers, and that's why you need to limit internet access for these reasons. If you explain the dangers to them, 
they'll most probably work with you when it comes to these things. There's a lot of applications that you can use. Uh, basically, if you go and there's a great, um, there's a great uh, website that you can go and try to get some of these applications uh, to use uh, to control the internet access. So, mm -hmm. those are really helpful tips. Um, our I'm sure our audience is going to be really interested in this. And I'd like to know, Rima, how can they be helpful? How can they help the efforts of Global Hope 365 in raising awareness of global trafficking and child marriage? Thank you for asking. That's a very important question. Because Global Hope cannot, we cannot do it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we need everybody's help to do it. Uh, one is get educated. You can get on our website, um, globalhope365.org. Okay. We also have another website, the California Coalition to End Child Marriage. Okay. Uh, we had our first human trafficking and child marriage forum at the UCI School of Law, University of California uh, School of Law. We co-hosted it with the UCI Initiative to End Family Violence. And right after Assemblywoman Kari Petri Norris spoke, we launched the California Coalition to End Child Marriage. And we would like uh, all our listeners to endorse that website. We have marriage survivors, child marriage survivors. We have elected officials. We have organizations endorsing us. And we have community leader category. And we have a digital campaign on both websites that will automatically send a, a letter requesting that elected officials in California uh, pass a legislation to end child marriage. Okay. Okay. Also, you can volunteer with us. Mm -hmm. you, can, uh, you can hold fundraisers with us. And, you know, do, we're doing fundraisers right now uh, that are virtual. We're doing coffee, Global Host 365 Coffee with, and the name of the host, Nicole Christina. <laughs> Global Host 365. I love it. Nicole Christina. Uh -huh. or, or, Global Host 365 Happy Hour with Kristen Manna. Uh -huh. We have one coming up this Friday at 5.30. Or also what's really the most important is call your elected official both in the uh, state and in the, on the federal level. Okay. And ask them two things. We need to pass a no child marriage under 18, no exception law. Okay. And the second is we need to punish the buyers. Okay. We need to increase the penalty on the buyer okay. to be the same as the penalty on the trafficker. Because without the buyers, the traffickers will not have business. And they that's what you were, supply and demand. Yes, mm -hmm, supply mm -hmm. and demand. And if you'd like to uh, protect your kids on the internet, go to the website of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Okay. We will give you the names of the applications that you can use uh -huh. in order to filter most 
As statistics found out that most parents stop monitoring the internet for their children after the age of 14, but it appears most of the minors who are missing through the internet are between the ages of 14 and 17. I see. So you need to be vigilant. Also, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, uh-huh. um, there's two bills that we need to sponsor. And uh, one they call the Earn It Act. And these are for those companies, digital companies that are very permissive with their pornographic um, materials or the goods that they sold because they were given a carte blanche, which is hold harmless from liability. What this bill is saying, no, we're not going to give you a carte blanche. You have to earn it. So if you clean up your act, then yes, we can hold you harmless from. And so, and the other bill is, uh, we need to allot funding in order to find out how many victims of human trafficking do we have. Because okay. it's very hard for you to find out. Unless someone calls the national hotline, which is 888-37888, or they can text be free to 233-733. Unless somebody calls the national hotline, for human trafficking, we won't know what's the actual number of human trafficking victims. And so, uh, unfortunately, the number one state in calls to the national hotline is California. One, we have a very large state, and uh-huh. two, we're raising awareness, all kinds of organizations, law enforcement, about the danger and the flags, red flags of human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's Texas, and the third is Florida. And so huh. we need to call. So again, to repeat, we need to call our elected officials, yes, both state and federal, and say we need to pass these two laws. And mm-hmm. child marriage under 18, no exceptions, and punish the buyer as much as the trafficker. I see. And, and I just wanted to repeat, the text is be free Two three three seven three three. Right. Okay. I just wanted to you text be free to that. Text. Yes, to that. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Well so you can donate to Global Hope. Uh-huh. Yes. Fundraisers for us. But yeah. That sounds very important. And I think in these times now when people are feeling not much control over our surroundings, our environment. And, and I think in the U S some of us are feeling very dismayed with our politics. This is actually something that we can do to create positive change while we're in, you know, in quarantine or whatever that we can really um, do something that, does have a positive impact that's very important as we're waiting for things to to resolve or to improve i think yeah right right oh thank you so so we can all use the phone we can all email we can you know donate and it it can be as little as five dollars because you Mm -hmm. know like officials raise millions 
mm-hmm. by $25 coffee clutches. So uh, we, we need um, to continue to be able to end child marriage and prevent human trafficking. Absolutely. It's so vital. I'm so, I, I'm so glad that uh, we got a, a chance to talk about this difficult but really important subject. And I really appreciate all the work that you're doing with this. Um, and just to remind our audience that it's so important for you to uh, put your thoughts and feelings out there by contacting state and federal level officials. And we, we will put links to that in the program notes so that it'll make it easier for you to do that. Rima and Nashashibi, thank you so much for your time. So appreciate your good work and uh, best of luck going forward. Thank you for having me and help us raise awareness among so many countries that are listening to you. We're really thankful for this opportunity because it takes a village to end these harmful practices against women and girls and boys. Rima's passion about protecting women and girls is contagious, as is her sense of purpose. She is crystal clear on what is important to her and how she is going to leave a legacy. And we know that those are very important elements in aging well. And if you looked at my course, Zestful Aging, you'll know that having a sense of purpose and leaving a legacy are are two vital elements in feeling good mentally as well as physically. I'd like to ask you to please check out globalhope365.org to help raise awareness of sex trafficking and child brides. Um, It's so vitally important. She's not only asking for cash contribution, but letter writing and just doing your best to raise awareness. Hello, Zesties. I want to tell you about one of my all-time favorite exercise and stress reduction tools, which I am really relying on during this quarantine. But I've sung its praises for years. The benefits are seemingly endless. Uh, It's great for toning and strengthening muscles. It improves your lymph system, your metabolism. It helps with joint pain and balance. And it's even used by NASA astronauts because it's such an efficient way to exercise. And if you're older or you're worried about your balance, you can order a stabilizer bar to hang on to. I'm talking about my NEDAC Rebounder Mini Trampoline. I put on my music and I have my own dance party. Because for me, exercise needs to be fun and invigorating. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Now is not the time for the philosophy of no pain, no gain, because we're in enough pain. This is a way to feel good and energized and have fun. It really does help mood as well. And I like that NEDAC is made in the USA and it is really solid. I've had mine for 15 years and it's still in great shape. 
The NEDAC Rebounder will help us get through this quarantine in better shape mentally and physically. And there's also a model that folds up if space is an issue. One of my clients puts it on her driveway and uses it while she's watching her kids during the quarantine. Anyway, I can't recommend NEDAC rebounders enough. They are a worthwhile investment in your health and overall well-being, especially now. If you are interested in a mini trampoline, please don't buy a cheap one. Those can be actually dangerous, and it is really worth uh, investing in a good quality one. And right now, if you use the coupon code just for Zestful Aging listeners, the code is Zestful, they are going to include a free cover for you. So go to NEDAC.com. It's N-E-E-D-A-K.com. And if you have any questions, you can contact me at ZestfulAging.com. I really am their biggest fan. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at ZestfulAging.com. You'll see more about this under the Web Courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at ZestfulAging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.